Good morning and welcome to Monday Main Point. It's Monday, August 30th, 2021, and I am Jonathan Hendrickson, Associate Pastor here at Rose of Sharon Baptist Church, joined with all the rest of the pastoral staff from our church. Uh, we had Jeremiah Custer, our youth pastor, Blake Flincham, our children's pastor, and Jeff McCarthy, our senior pastor. And here on Monday Main Point, we like to use Mondays, and it's back to being Mondays, fellas. Um, we like to use Mondays to look back on Sunday's message, dig a little bit deeper into, into the, the content there, and uh, just share some insight with one another. And that's kind of what we're going to do today. Um, this past Sunday, we... Uh, we're wrapping up our vacation Bible school last night, and this whole VBS has been about, uh, this month-long VBS we did on Sunday nights has all been about uh, the power of God, how, how Jesus' power uh, pulls us through all of life's ups and downs. And we've been looking at uh, different ways in which this power can be applied. And the final verse, um, or the final point uh, from last night's VBS was that Jesus' power helps us be good friends. Trust Jesus. Trust Jesus, that's right. And um, and so uh, Jeff on Sunday mornings has been looking at more of an, uh, the sort of grown-up version of, of, of each one of these points and, how, uh, and preaching messages on those verses. And so the verse that we looked at yesterday was from John 15, 12. And um, I think we'll look at the NKJV here. It's, there's not a lot of difference between the translations, in fact. But it basically just says, and this is Jesus speaking, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And so I suppose the way that they're looking at this and they're looking at this verse and saying, okay, with Jesus' power, God, right? Or Jesus helps us to be good friends, helps us to love one another. Um, but really, this is, um, this is a much deeper verse, and we will get into that here um, as, as we go along. Uh, for starters, um, the, in, well, the title of the message was um, Agape Friends Forever. Uh, <laughs> Should we say Michael W. Smith? No, we're again? not gonna. We're not gonna. We, right before we came on live, I just heard Jeff, that this morning. Please don't. Jeff and I, Jeff and I serenaded. Oh, that was a great duet. Oh, it was. A, it was a good duet. We should do it on Sunday morning sometime. I would do it. I, I actually expected you to sing the song. No, no, I thought no, you no. would sing Friends Forever. You knew it well enough. I was a little disappointed. Actually. Please no. <laughs> um, Spare our lives. <laughs> When I sing these songs, I make up lyrics if I don't know them. So there's no that's problems. probably better that you didn't sing it. But no, um, so I do like the fact that it's because um, I think you're doing a playoff of best friends. Yeah, I was trying to figure a way to connect it to like the topic was to be uh, to be good friends, and then I, I thought about that song. Yeah, and the friendship part and. How it's forever, and then I thought about the BFF, and so it all kind of was got. I kind of put it all together that way. That a lot of people they say you're my BFF, right? It doesn't last forever, and, it, and they may not be best friends, you know, two yeah. years from now. That's that's very so. True. I kind of put all those three together, and like, well, if you are, if it could be a best friend forever. How would that happen? And then, of course, Smitty's. Right. Eric, as if you you know, if you know Jesus, I know Jesus, then we can be friends. Friends, forever. we we can be friends forever. That's right. Um, so the, the the idea is is that um, if we're going to be those kind of friends, then then what, what does this verse have to say? To yeah, and so us? then the thing is, we're commanded to a love love 
agape, love the way Jesus loves. So that's really the whole nexus of being a good friend, right. being a friend forever. Uh, to to that be our motivating factor. Yeah, you know, we talk. Um, I think I think as as pastors and ministers of the gospel, we we understand the difference and we we cash it out a lot. This idea of oh, okay, there's there's this. Eros love and philo love and then there's agape love. I think there's actually four loves. I think the last one was one. storage. I think yeah, the word. For which it. which three? Did, there's philo, eros, and agape. Right. And Isn't there, I think there's a four, I think there's a fourth one, but I can't remember. S t o r h e. I think is the Greek word. Storage. What what kind of love is it? Do you remember? I think that's just like the. Is it the one when you say I love pizza or I love, oh, okay. I love being here, it's kind of like it's not a love toward a person. Yeah, but it's that when we say that in a general. You know, sense. it's is funny. That, is that the one that is in the Greek, but it's never used in the yeah, Bible? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. That's the yeah. yeah. So, well, what's funny is, I and think, eros is never used in the Bible. It's not sexual. No, because it's lust. Right. The, what we think is eros as sexual desire. Is actually technically lust, so right. that you'll never find arrows in the Bible because nobody loves that way, according to Scripture. Huh? Uh, now, no phileo, phileo yeah, is definitely no, brotherly love, like a brotherly love. Agape love is, and agape was the one that they chose to say, you know, this is really what Christian love is all about. No, I just learned something because if you pushed me on that, I would have said that you would find eros in the Bible, but I get, I, I, I can understand why you wouldn't. Um, that you mention it. Well, anyway, we, 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 we talk a lot about that, um, and um, I think it's important for us to kind of talk a little bit about what those different loves represent and why agape, when we talk about love in, the, in a biblical sense, why, why we make such a big deal of the fact that it's agape that we're talking about. Because in the English language, we sort of interchange love for lots of lots of other meanings yeah. right and we right. we use it in lots of different ways um, in fact uh, as a philosophy professor um, sometimes when I'm trying to show students how we can um, how we can switch definitions in, in, a, in, in an argument between you know we take take a word to mean one thing mm -hmm. here and it means something else over here love is often one that I use because um, love can have multiple meanings, but in the English language, we just use the, sing the singular word for it. So um, I think that's why sometimes when we as English-speaking Americans, we're, we're reading through, through the Bible, and we encounter the word love, we're, we sort of read meaning back into that, right? As opposed to letting it define itself. So let's kind of talk about what we mean when we say agape love and why, why that stands out as different. Jeremiah? Yeah, unfortunately, that's the whole sermon, right? Uh, but I think Jeff's conclusion might give us the best, uh, the conclusion of the sermon might give us the best uh, kind of definition or at least uh, correlation to what we mean by love. Sure. But agape traditionally is just called unconditional so love without condition then mm. uh so like when we as human it's really hard for us as humans to have this kind of unconditional love even like towards your spouse or your kids 
that's what you try to have. And when you're at your best, I think you do have unconditional love, meaning there's no condition. There's there's nothing that you can do to make you love them less or, right. or, or more. But then Jeff in his conclusion brought about sacrificial love mm -hmm. um, and that Jesus as the example is the best example of sacrificial love, which just shows the action part of love. And I think in the Bible with agape love, that if it's absent of action, then it's not really agape. Mm, okay, yeah. I, I, I like that. I like that a lot. And um, uh, I guess an, an, another way to maybe look at it too is that um, the the kind of love we're talking about is not transactional, right? Often, love and 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 I don't mean that in a coarse way. I, I mean that in, in in a sincere sense that mm. I do this for you. And in turn, you you do you know you you share your love for me, right? Um, I'm trying to win my girlfriend over, so I buy her flowers, right? And she, now she knows that I she, now she knows that I love her, and and maybe now you know she'll she'll go on a date with me, right? Or something like that. Uh, you know, it doesn't have to. But but a lot of our love kind of works that way, um, in 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 just. In our human interactions it's 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 more of a transactional kind of love i do this for you and and in turn you love me right and and it seems as though um the kind of love that we're talking about here is a non-transactional love and we just don't we don't do that much as humans i mean we like you said i think we try um, maybe the closest we get to it is within our own families i think you mentioned like you know once you're married there seems to be a, a kind of love there. Hopefully there's a love there that, that you're going to love regardless of what the person does or doesn't do for you. Right. Same thing with your children. Um, you're going to, you're going to love them as much as you can, regardless of what they do or don't do for you in terms of obedience and not, you know, and, and, and those kinds of things. So agape is just a different kind of love, but it's, this message starts off with, a, with the idea that agape friends, if we're going to be those kinds of friends with one another, and I suppose when we're talking about this, Jeff, you're, when you say friends, you meant brothers and sisters in Christ mostly, or are we, are we talking about mostly well, within the church, in the context direct, of the church? Yeah, this is direct, directed to believers. Okay. And if you, look, if you looked at that, the, you know, the immediate context, he does bring that, that friendship part because... In the part where Jeremiah preached uh, a few months ago about the vine and all, he taught he brings up the friendship then. So if you're a friend of me, you're going to believe you're going to obey my commands, um, and so so the friendship then there is that connection. If I'm a friend of Jesus mm -hmm. and you're a friend of Jesus, then how does that work across the branches? Right. And so um, so this can so yeah so we're commanded to love unconditionally. Or to put it in your words, without transactions, like okay, I still have to love this person. May not like them right now, uh, but you know, I'm going to set aside my feelings and emotions. I'm going to say, okay, let me calm down and let let me either show love or come back and ask for forgiveness or do all these things that are necessary to to keep that relationship where it needs to be. So let's let, let's let's talk about this for a second because we are talking about the, the beginning of this verse, which says, you know, Jesus says, "This is my commandment." That's mm -hmm. that's non-negotiable, right? This is this is not uh, this is my suggestion. This is my commandment. This is an imperative. 
Well, um, if we're going to understand the imperative, and we'll get into what he commands here, that you love one another as I have mm-hmm. loved you. I want to talk about the scope of the commandment, though. Well, what I just oh, as I mentioned, I, mean, I think I quoted every place I could find where yeah. it's quoted. <laughs> so I, what I want to talk about here is maybe what I just referenced a moment ago, which is the scope of this commandment. Does this commandment mean that we're only, is this only a commandment in terms of the fellowship within the church, or is this a commandment that extends beyond that, that we're commanded to love those who are even outside of the fellowship of believers? Or is that more of a, I want you to love them, but I'm not commanding you to love them. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Because if Jesus is just talking to just believers, then it seems as though the commandment here would only apply to to those within the fellowship of the church. You get what I'm saying? Rather than the command, and, 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 and I've had discussion with people on this before, and I'm not entirely certain. I think I know where I land on this, but I'm curious what you guys think. Is, is the commandment... Well, I, I, just to kind of follow up, uh, when Jesus says, love your enemies... He uses the same word agape. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. But I think in this particular passage, in this context, he is trying to... Um, I think I did a quote where somebody's talked about Jesus. Yeah, Jesus had never done anything like this, but nothing like this has ever happened before where you're, you're calling out a group of people to love each other unconditionally. Right, you talk about sort of the radical nature of yeah, what and Jesus called. So I think, called I think it, this was so important for the church... Especially because of the way the world was set up with systems and enemies and uh, vengeance is mine and all this other stuff that, that he was trying to create a group of people mm-hmm. that loves each other so much that it would be that's the attraction point, that's the identifying point that there's something different about this group of people. Right. So I think as we do that with each other, it's automatically going to spill out and overflow that we start treating even lost friends or people that we don't know the same way. Right. Can we just love them that way? That's kind of what I think. Yeah. About. You want to speak to, to Jay? Uh, yeah, I think this text right here is pretty clearly talking about just our love for brothers, mutual, mutual brothers in Christ. And the reason I think he's saying that here is uh, because it, it, this, this love, this agape love that he's talking about should be a part of our identity. Who we are. So when the world sees us, from the outside looking in, they see us and they see our love for one another and they want it, Mm. right? And so that's why he says, uh, what is the verse I'm trying to quote that I can't think of? He says something like, uh, Yeah, that's that. They, they, pro- know they you. proved you. Yeah, that's how you prove that you're my disciples. You have that's love, John, thir- love John 13, 35. Yeah, so it was just two chapters over. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's the when he first says, this, this is this new commandment. It's 1334. Yeah. And then that right after he says, this is the commandment that you love each other as I, uh, as I loved you. Yeah. And then he says what, what you're referring to uh, right yeah. after that in th- yeah. verse 34. And then... And so, that's how you prove... Right. 1335 says your love for one another will prove to the world yeah. that you are my disciples. Yeah. So, so I use that in the second point. In the, yeah. Uh, right. So this, this text... This particular text, I think, is talking about brotherly love, although it's agape love, but for uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, because it should be a part of our identity when the world sees us. But then when when he's asked, uh, what's the greatest commandment, which Jeff will probably get to in a little bit, 
that's clearly talking about universal, like, what's the greatest commandment? He says, love your neighbor as yourself. Neighbor, I think, is different than brother, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so he's just saying everyone. He's encompassing everyone with, with you should love everyone as you love yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So I think there's a small distinction there. Yeah, so when we talk about identity, because I think this is going to be important too, and, mm-hmm. and um, um, like the, that, um, how how important is it? I like what Jeremiah just said there that that when the world, we'll call it the world, those who are unbelievers, the, right. the, the set of unbelievers, right, that looks in on us, when they look in on us, they see a group of people like Jeff said that are identified by by the way in which they love one another sacrificially. Why is that so important? Yeah, because, I mean, it, uh, we're supposed to be different. Um, we're, you know, we're like the called out ones. You know, that roots in, like, with the church, like the ones who are called out, if you want to get, like, technical in the Greek, those who are called out, things like that, like the people of God, those who are called out. And simply to be different because, um, like, the rest, and that's like, that should be like attractive to like unbelievers. Um, like, wow, they love one another, even when, like, it does get hard. Um, mm-hmm. When somebody does do you wrong, or somebody, uh, or you do somebody wrong and there's forgiveness, you can disagree well with one another. It's different. And, um, and it sparks, it's almost like a great icebreaker for them on how to, like, why are you different? They makes them ask questions and makes them reflect, like, why would you, you know, why would you, why right. would you treat somebody like that? Because right. that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So, Jeff, do you think that 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 the church's uh, loss of focus on that point has led to some people um, leaving the embrace of the church, right? Because they don't feel embraced any longer, and finding that embrace somewhere else in the culture. That, that may be one of the reasons why we see people walking away is because we don't see this sort of, we're no longer identified as, as loving people. Um, that maybe we, we let division from the outside come inside and we see more, I mean, you know, I, I think that churches are sometimes more identified with the way in which they split than the way in which they unify. Yeah. Um, and you know, the culture has done a great job uh, creating this idea that they're the ones that love agape in other words they love use, wins right yeah they love <laughs> they use love in a way of, of um it's almost like um uh it's 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 not really agape love but it's love to say i'm gonna love you you can live and do whatever you want to but there is a line for them that gets crossed where they don't really love they can't really love Agape, because someone disagrees with them, then they don't really show love to those people. They show the very opposite of what they're, they're claiming. So by painting this picture that they're all about love, and the church then, who's, who's supposed to be identified by love, gets painted in a picture that we're the ones that really hate, and we hate uh, groups, or we hate, hate people because of the color of their skin, or, or you know maybe the way they dress, or... You know, or different kind of doctrine and everything. So, so, so they've created this whole image of of trying to take that word love and putting it in their image. Mm-hmm. So at the same time, then uh, here we are in a church, and if you look in and peek in in most churches, um, you're not going to see a whole lot of mutual, reciprocal 
agape love. You're going to see more transactional. I love this person because they serve me, or I might serve them because I want I want to I want I want, I want this to happen. Or if I, if, I, if I don't get my way, then I'm mad and I'm angry. Um, and this person didn't apologize to me. I demand an apology. So you see all this happening in in these contexts of human relations and people have missed the mark Mm. you know it's sad because really when you look into the church you should see you know people that yeah there's going to be times we're going to disagree we're going to get in arguments we're going all that's going to happen that's just life but can you come back together then afterwards and continue to say hey man you know we messed up but but hey we're, we're in this together let's let's love each other let's Let's move on. Let's move forward. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so, uh, so, like you said, people will get upset and they'll leave a church, go to another church, and the unfortunate thing is they'll bring the baggage with them. Yeah. Um, and then also, you know, uh, when in that whole concept about this fruit that remains, you know, Jesus did say a parable, uh, or when he did a parable about fruit, that you'll know people by their fruit. Yeah. Yeah. And so, one of the fruit of the spirits is love you know joy peace all that and if, and so if, if i don't get this one right if i don't really have that i can't fake agape love mm. i can't conjure it up it has mm-hmm. to come from outside of myself to, to be mm. done the way it's supposed to be done yeah and so it makes you step back and question like is that person really a true believer and follower if they're not really demonstrating love like they should be right but at the same time as a christian i still have to forgive that person still minister to them and just take whatever they're, they're throwing at me and just say, okay, God, you know, I can love them and forgive them, uh, but I'm not really sure. And then I think that goes into about praying for them and trying to change their hearts. So. Yeah. I, I wrote down a couple of questions here. There are kind of some things that you brought up that I, I want to touch on. One, because, and this has to do, since we're still sort of in this process of uh, in our conversation, defining what we mean by agape love in some ways. What does this commandment really entail? Um, is, is, is Jeremiah, is agape love about accepting everyone no matter what they do? Is it about universal acceptance? Um, does that, is, is, is that important? Is that an important component to agape love? Um, because, you know, it's something Jeff was saying is like, our culture seems to uh, seems to do that pretty well, or or at least they claim to do that pretty well. Um, so, what do you think? I mean, is is agape love about accepting everyone, no matter what they do? No. So, that if I had to give a synonym for what the world calls love, I would say it's acceptance. Mm-hmm. That was the exact word that was in my mind. They want acceptance. They want license, right? To to be able to kind of live freely and, and freedoms and all that kind of stuff to do as they wish. Again, making themselves uh, God. And, and then by being God themselves, they can define love how they want. Right. Um, but we are talking about a love that only comes from God, like, like uh, Jeff just said, this unconditional love. And so... Uh, if if love was just acceptance, then I would have to say that Jesus didn't have agape love mm-hmm. um, because he he clearly from the scriptures didn't accept uh, and I'm using air quotes uh, everyone. Right. Not, not that he didn't love everyone, but he didn't accept them. He didn't allow them to continue on in their behavior or or right. in their ideologies 
but he lovingly and respectfully rebuked them and showed them, no, this is, this, this is the kind of love which, which comes from God because we know from the Bible that it says God is love. And so if it's in the character of God, then it must be in, in all of his followers, all of his children. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we accept everything. But it also doesn't mean we have license to, to review, can be angry and hateful. Uh, but the best form of love is to allow to to help people understand look you're living outside god's will Mm -hmm. and living outside of god's will is dangerous and it's actually not for your benefit even though sometimes it feels like even in my life it feels like naturally that that living for god is not for my benefit that he's being harsh or wants me to do things that that i don't really want to do and he wants me to be things that i don't really want to be but over and over uh, throughout my life, I'm, I'm learning that no, God has these rules and, and these stipulations on his character and me following him uh, for my benefit. And it doesn't always feel like my benefit, but it is for my benefit. Right. And over time, you learn that. But it's not easy. It's not easy to hear that in the moment because it doesn't feel right. But I, I'm telling you, if you study and learn and grow over time, it you begin to see, oh, this was for my benefit. This is for my good. Sure. Well, and if I really, truly agape love you, then I'm compelled then to confront you and say, hey, look, I'm, I'm just telling you, you this to you out of love because of concern. Right. Not out of judgment and condemnation, which that's what most people hear. So... So let's let let's let me ask the same. Well, I'll ask this question in a softer way. Then let's let's soften the term acceptance because acceptance I think means a lot. Of it. it means it means I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to accept what you're doing. I have to I have to be okay with what you're doing, no matter and and, and acknowledge and that's that it's not okay. really true love. Right. What about is agape love about tolerating everyone, no matter what they do? Is it is is tolerance a part of agape love? I'll. What do you think, Blake? <laughs> yeah, we've been doing all the talking. Yeah. <laughs> Looks like, really? That one? <laughs> I mean, hey, I'll Go ahead. <laughs> so I think first and foremost, we have to affirm that everybody's made in the image of God. And um, we don't have to necessarily tolerate everything. So like, say me as a kid's pastor, I love my kids with all my heart. Mm-hmm. I do. But there are some things I will not tolerate in children's church. Okay. You know, if they're um, if they're talking while I'm talking or they're distracting somebody, I'm not tolerating it. You right. Know, I'm not, and that's out of love because um, they're really bringing each other down and they're bringing themselves down because they're not, you know, reaching their full potential, like for the gospel, or they're not, you know, they're just simply not behaving. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I don't think we have to like tolerate actions. I mean. We do have to tolerate people, <laughs> right? Yeah, and I think there's a difference mm-hmm. in tolerating people and tolerating their actions. Mm-hmm. Um, we can affirm people, but we don't have to accept their actions, right? Yeah, and and, 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 and again, there's a there's a difference between tolerating and accepting. There's there's a mm-hmm. there, there's a there's and if, if we're being honest, our culture, while that was a word for a while, mm-hmm. they realized that's not really what we want, right? No one really wants. Like if I told you, I mean, I just really tolerate you today. Like, 
no one wants to hear that. <laughs> like, right. Right. Like, I've heard that my whole life. <laughs> like, oh, thanks for being in the same room as me. And allowing me to breathe the same air. Like you're, yeah. so but nice. it, you're right. For a long time, I mean, it was all about uh, you know tolerance. tolerance. You and, tolerate and, me, I'll tolerate you. We can get along. Right. But what they really meant when they would say tolerance is you have to accept whatever my beliefs are as right. true. Right. right. So like you. So if you're if you're not accepting my particular belief system as you're true, the one being intolerant. you are you are being intolerant, and 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 that's not what tolerance is. Tolerance is I'm okay with you being you. You can believe what you want to believe, um, but I'm not gonna. I don't have to accept that as true. I don't have to accept it right. as, as, a, as a true set of beliefs. So I think, um, I think I think as Christians we should have a general level of tolerance. Mm, yeah, like because the Bible is pretty clear. Not everyone is going to accept Jesus, and and they're free to do so, right? So like there should be a general level of like we're going to agree to disagree. That that doesn't mean you don't continue to show love to them or to give up on them. That's right. But there should be a general level of uh, like. I mean, just any of the hot topics, pick one. I'll pick homosexuality. Like with homosexuals, we can't really expect them to uh, to leave that lifestyle and become like Christ unless they accept Christ and want to leave that lifestyle. So right. it's all about like they have the freedom to become a believer. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but before they become a believer... There's, I mean, we can't really expect them to act like Christ without yeah, having Christ within them. Yeah. So there's, there's a general level of tolerance we need to have, understanding. So, oh, they're not Christian. They don't have Christ living within them. They don't. Right. They don't really. I mean, while universal law, they live under the same universal law, and they're accountable for that. But they don't have it in their hearts, and so you got to focus there. Before you focus, because I think part of the problem is, is we focus on these pet sins and focus focus on their lifestyle and their sins. And sin is part of the gospel. They've got to understand that. But sure. really what they need is Jesus. Yeah. And before they have Jesus, why would they ever leave that lifestyle? Yeah, it it yeah. Just, just, just doesn't make sense. And I saw a quote the other day. I was uh, just got done preaching a um, uh, thing on identity at a youth rally near the Fayetteville area and came across an author named Rosaria Butterfield mm-hmm. who was actually a former um, lesbian atheist English professor who came to Christ and she said uh, so many basically to, I'm paraphrasing this a lot a lot of Christians would try to impose good morals on mm-hmm. her but sharing the gospel and if trying to impose good morals are two different things. Right. And a lot of times we as Christians try to impose good morals on people and think, mm-hmm. well, we're being like Christ. We're standing for truth. Well, that's surface level stuff. Like you got to get to heart change. You like you got to give them what can change their heart, and that's Christ. Right. And that's how she is now a, uh, like she's Reformed Presbyterian now, and she's a Christian, and she writes a lot of books. One of her books was like A Gospel Comes with a House Key, things like that. Right. And, you know, that changed her. You know, a pastor went to her and just lovingly, like, asked her questions, affirmed her, uh, obviously didn't accept the way she lived, Mm -hmm. but affirmed her, tolerated that she was where she was at, but loved her enough he didn't want her to stay where she was at, but wanted to give her Christ and share Christ so that she could be where God wanted her to be at. And then the the flip of that would be Mm -hmm. that you're still, even if the person never came to Christ, 
you still try to treat them with respect and still love them and still be available to them still have that relationship because you know who you, you never you just never know i mean it's not my motivating factor shouldn't be i'm trying to win that person to christ which ultimately we want to do that right but it's to love them and have a relationship with them but but that's kind of getting into the outside the family of god but yeah we talked about culture but yeah so we've got to we've got to do that too well yeah and, and i think that the, goes back to the motivation right and i think the idea then of tolerance in in terms of agape love I think there is tolerance. You 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 um, you love people where they're at. So if that's what you know. That's tolerating. I'm going to love you where you're at, no matter what you decide about Jesus, right? I'm going to because, but because I have an agape love, my version of tolerance is not going to also include acceptance of everything, and I don't. I'm not going to include um, as part of my tolerance of, of, of your freedom. You have the freedom to choose to do whatever you want to do. I'm going to love you regardless because that's what agape love does. But agape love also will speak truth to, to falsehood. And, um, and so I can gently do that and still be tolerant of you. Yeah. So I do think that if, if our definition of tolerance is, is just simply that, that we're going to love despair the decision that this person makes in regards to Christ then um, I think I think it, it, it should be included yeah. of course again like you said this particular commandment that Jesus is giving is he's giving it to the church um, so that so that tolerance there maybe you know uh, we don't want to we don't necessarily want to you know tolerate there's not a general level of tolerance yeah yeah because I mean I mean, that's kind of the point of discipline, self-discipline, and discipleship. Uh, we come alongside of each other, and where I'm failing or have blind spots, I should be told. Like, hey, you're not living up to... Because I have Christ. Like, you should keep, you should hold me accountable to the fact that Christ lives within me, and mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a general set of rules uh, that should be followed, uh, right. or, or fruit that should be appearing in my life, and... Uh, it's it becomes real evident. I think uh, there's one spot. Um, well, here it, it does say, "You're my friend." Yeah, verse fourteen, John fifteen fourteen. Mm-hmm. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Mm-hmm. In other places, God says, uh, "If you love me, you will keep my commandments." And so there's a general level of accountability to that. Yes. If if I'm going to say I love God and I'm a follower of Christ, then then that must mean that I want to follow his commandments. Right. So if agape love is this sort of reciprocal love and, 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 and it does you, you mentioned that that it's I'm going to love no matter what, you're going to and you're going to love me no matter what. And we we continue to love each other in that manner, right? Um, if it is that sort of um, uh, uh, reciprocal kind of love. Um, and I just lost my train of thought where I was going to go with this. I right, points to, I guess. We love well, each other mutually. It, we do, right, right. That, that, that we do love each other, each other mutually, that we're going to... Reciprocally. Yeah, we're going to reciprocate with one another. Um, and that, that as, as we love... Um, I think, it, it, Jeremiah, was something you just said. It was about the... Uh, if you love Jesus, if you you'll love keep me, his you'll commands. Keep yeah, you'll keep my commands. Um, and we're going to try to love as Jesus loves. And loved. you are friends if you do what I command you. Yeah, maybe what I was trying to get at here, and I'll, I'll come back to the reciprocal thing in a second. One of the things I'm trying to get at is this idea of loving as Jesus loved, mm. right? Um, what does it mean to love 
as Jesus loved. Um, because uh, Jesus, oh, there it is. Yeah, point Jesus, three. Jesus, 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 well, Jesus loved. Well, no, Jesus, Jesus, was, uh, Jesus was humble, right? Mm-hmm. It takes humility to love in the way that Jesus loves. And if this is going to be a reciprocal kind of relationship, it seems as though humility has to be a part of that too. It's not just in how I humbly love towards you, but it's also on how I humbly receive your love. This is where I was going with this. Yeah. Um, so that the idea is, is that that means going back to those disciplines of correction, right? If I'm going to love as Jesus loved, and I'm going to love in an agape sort of sense, then not only am I going to be gentle and giving correction, but wouldn't it mean also that I'll be gentle and receiving correction? Mm-hmm. Um, not that Jesus ever received correction, but Jesus was humble and and walked in accordance with with the the God's law, obviously, um, and even even to some degree the law of the land as well. I mean, you, you know, you talk about paying taxes and stuff, right? So, so is is there is there a sense in which um, agape love is not just loving agapely outwardly, but also loving a, a receiving in, in, in an agape yeah. sense? Does that make sense? Absolutely, because you've got to you know. It took me a while to get there. I'm sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> you're good. Um, yeah, part of following Christ. I mean, I think it's important that we never be satisfied with our own personal discipleship, like where we're at. Because the fact is, like if we're still alive, we are not. You know, we're not like Christ yet. You know, we're just right. simply not. And, you know, as long as we live, we're always going to have areas in which we struggle in. Um, I, and over at Southeastern at the seminary, you know, a lot of us go to or have gone to, um, there's a professor there, and I think it was Chuck Lawless, who, I mean, he was like 50 or so when he first came. And first thing he said he wanted to do was find a mentor. And we're talking about a guy who's got a PhD level, you know, mm-hmm. is a seminary professor, has been a pastor. Like, you would think, like, if somebody didn't need a mentor, it would be that guy, right. you know. That would be the guy who's mentoring everybody else. But he realized, like, he said he realized that, like, he's not perfect and, like, he can stumble. And I think of a lot of pastors, you know, some we might have taken who uh, didn't necessarily have good accountability and they're not in the ministry anymore. And that... Um, and even like in the own church, like when it comes to like church discipline and things, like we got to make sure we are holding each other accountable. And I think accountability partners are great. Yeah. Um, and I, like I lead a D group full of freshman guys, and it's it's good because a lot of people think discipleship is like me talking to you, you listening, and I tell you things. Right. And that's just not the case. Like I learn from the freshman guys just as much as they learn from me right you know and because i want them to hold me accountable the way i'm going to hold them accountable right you know they might be struggling you know fresh out of high school like a pornography struggle but you know i might be struggling with gossip or something like that like i want them to hold me accountable the same way i hold them right and if we are going to love and you're right jeff this is part of part two which is you know jesus says you know i'm commanding you to love each other right um and of course you really can't talk about agape in each other without talking about the second half of, the, of that, which is love each other as I have loved you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but if we are going to talk about loving each other, and, and it, it is this, I think you love each other mutually. Um, it does seem to be that 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 it's it's a reciprocal kind of love, which means I have to, I have, I, you know, like I said, if I'm gonna, 
I'm going to love like Jesus loved outward, but I'm also going to love like Jesus loved in the way I receive love. Does that make sense to me? Like, yeah, and so that's kind of the hardest thing for a lot of people is to be the recipient of someone's unconditional love. Right. Um, and sometimes we as pastors, um, if we're not careful, we can rob our people of an opportunity for them to show and demonstrate love. Mm-hmm. If you know, if we're doing everything and we're the ones uh, doing all the visits and making, if we if we become the ministry and we do everything and we keep the people from actually ministering to one another and serving right. one another, then they don't get a chance to give love and then receive love. Um, but there's a lot of people I think, especially um, in America, I'm not sure. I know it may be generational, but to receive like help or love or, or I guess pride would get in the way. And if yeah. we're not careful, you know, we can be like, well, you know, I'm here to love you. I don't need you guys to love me. I mean, people, you know, th- that can be your attitude. And I think that we have to be real careful to allow people then to love us back, even though we're not doing it uh, in that transactional model, but that we're doing it because, hey, I love you and you love me. I'm pouring my life into you. I need people to pour their life into me. And, and I think that's what Jesus is getting there is that we're all in this thing together and we all need to be producing fruit. And the only way we're going to do that is if we're, you know, we're remaining in him. We're still part of this big, this big vine, this vineyard that's part of his right. kingdom. And we're all in this thing together. And, um, but it, it is very humbling when people do, show you love that you feel like I don't really deserve this or I haven't done anything really to credit this love and right. so it's very humbling. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so when when you do receive that, it really helps you understand and know that hey, this is the kind of love I, want, I need to be giving people as well. Right. So and, oh, and I think ahead. there's a difference and like we're not saying like criticize your brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. We're saying, you know, do construct, you know, constructively. Right. You know, saying, hey, you know, I love you um I see, you know, just from my perception and, you know, you you feel free to chime in if, if you think I've got a wrong perception, you know, have a conversation, you know. Right. And we're not saying, like, attack or criticize. We're saying just construct and say, hey, I've been seeing some patterns. I don't think that it's probably the most biblically, um, and I just wanted to let you know that so you can be working on that on your own, like, in your own personal quiet time or in yeah. your prayer life, things well, like that. Yeah, people have, you know, people have problems with that in the, in, in the age we live in. I mean, like, the idea that you would even butt into my pro, you know, my personal life is is like that. That's private, man. You know, you got your own problems. Do, you know, let me deal with mine, and you deal with yours. Stay out of my business. I mean, that's kind of the culture we live in. We live in a culture that says, "Stay out of my business." Um, and yet, the, the 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 verse that you used, Jeff, was Ephesians four two, which says, "Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other." And he actually says making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Um, so again, this isn't saying I accept, my, don't accept, don't accept my faults, but make allowance. What's the difference there? I mean, and how do how do I how do I um, what has to change in order for us to be able to speak truth to one another? Does, does that make sense? Because like, how do I how do I earn the right to speak truth into your life? Because it does feel as though it's an earned right and, and as opposed to something that just um, you just go and do, right? Yeah. So, like, 
if you're if you're rebu- I think that verse Ephesians four two is really good. Given an allowance, I like that because we've talked about acceptance, we talked about tolerance, but we haven't talked about allowance. Right. And allowance, I think, is a good word because it it shows that you understand you're a struggling sinner as well. You're you're a redeemed sinner who still struggles and and has fallbacks. Uh, but if you come at them like you've got it all right and you're self-righteous uh, apart from Christ's righteousness and you, you've made it right, then there's no allowance for sin. Yeah. But if you come at it like I, I've been there or I'm, I'm struggling too, here's where I struggle and just being honest. But I think, I think the, uh, our culture in general, and I'll just talk about America, um, I think part of our biggest problem is that strict individualism where Mm -hmm. you can't speak into my life, I can't speak into your life. But also, uh, we're just selfish in general. I see it everywhere. It comes out when like a pandemic hits and everyone goes to get the toilet paper and everyone starts hoarding the uh, hand sanitizer. Like you see it. And there's evidences for societies being more selfish. One of the evidences is uh, the amount of babies that the society has. And we've been declining for a long time per household. Mm-hmm. So I'm not talking about individuals because there's, there's uh, some individuals just can't have babies. I'm right, talking about right. as a society as a whole right, per household. Yeah. It's getting lower and lower and mm-hmm. lower. And, and in general, the less babies a society has, it shows the more selfish the people are and more individualistic mm, and yeah that makes sense. Um, because in my opinion and and i maybe it would have said this before i was a dad but um the most self-sacrificial love you show is having a baby because you you have to show unconditional love because they are babies are just selfish <laughs> they just <laughs> it's always about me they they always they don't really care they don't care that you need to go to the bathroom they don't yeah, care that so you're, you're patient gentle and, and you're allowing for their fault and they're <laughs> screaming at the top of their lungs yeah right. they're, they're just a baby and that's right. that's a good to me that's a good picture of god's love for us mm-hmm. we're selfish we don't care about his uh, we don't care what, what he needs to do, his plan. We want what we want. We want it now. And we, and, and, and that's just, that's how babies are. They're, they're selfish. They don't care what your needs are. They don't care that you just work 12 hours a day. They don't care. Right. They need, 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 need. They're selfish. And our society in general, we're selfish. And I think this type of love moving to kind of point three is a self-sacrificial love. And if you're... If, if, if all of us in the room, let's just take us four, if we're all being self, self or, or uh, selfless, so if I'm looking out for you and you, um, then I've got three people looking out for me. But if, I'm, if we're all being selfish, I now only have one person looking out for me. Right. And so I think, I think this is a better model just for practicality. Like if we're all trying to be selfless, and, and, and seeking the, the benefit of others and loving others and, and being self-sacrificial like Jesus was, uh, then I think it just works better. Yeah, if you take a child psychology class, they'll talk about um, maturity in, in, in the way in, 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 a, in a child's outlook, or not just a child's outlook, but a human outlook. Because what happens is, you're right, initially, and that baby is only that baby or that toddler 
is really only concerned with that which is in within its own circle, its own right? Bubble, yeah. yeah, its own circle. And um, gradually that circle begins to expand. And eventually the child cares about anything it's touching, its circle, and, and you know, okay, you're my best, you're my best friend. I care about you because you're also in my circle. You're in, yeah. you're, you're still in my circle. Or I care about my mom and my dad because they're in my circle. And that circle begins to expand more and more, but it's always still about how does how do the things inside this circle affect me? Where a real sign of maturity happens is when the child stops thinking about the people that are inside their circle and looking outside of their own circle. Yeah. And it's no longer about, about those things that are touching me, but it's about those things that are outside of me. Yeah. And and I think that that's true with spiritual maturity as well, right? Mm -hmm. So 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 often we 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 focus on just what's in my circle and then it's okay well i care about seeing the salvation of my family my friends and stuff because i want to see them in heaven with me but where a real sign of maturity happens is when we start thinking about people who have no connection to us whatsoever but we care about them because because the circle we realize the circle is bigger than what what's around us mm -hmm. And, and, and I think that's the kind of spiritual maturity you're talking about. And it takes that kind of self-sacrificial love, right? Because I can't love that way if I'm concerned about myself. I have to sacrifice myself to think outside of my circle. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, to give an illustration, that's why uh, kids, when you're playing hide-and-seek and they're toddlers and they hide their face and they think you can't see them. Mm -hmm. they, don't have, they, they don't have the ability to, to look from someone else's perspective. Right. And so then they get older, right? And they, they start faking sleep, and they're like, oh, they, they actually think about what you, how you see them and how they could trick you, right? And right. so it's just a part of growing up to open up your worldview. And, and I, I really like that, that whole bubble circle thing. Um, it's good. So um, let's, with the last sort of 10 minutes we have here, let's move to that point three. Um, and we've kind of already touched on this a lot, which the, the, the third point is that. To, to love as Jesus loves, right? To love sacrificially like Jesus. And what I want to ask here, um, uh, fellas, is you said earlier, Jeremiah, that that um, when we were talking about defining agape love, that agape love is not love like we have in most of our human interactions. It's just not the way we practice love, right? So I want to get to a real practical place here. Um, how is it that we can, and I'll start with you, Blake, how can we practice this agape love when it's completely abnormal to human existence? Like we don't, as humans, we don't love like this. Um, so how can we practice something that we don't do, right? Yeah. You, you, get, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. How do we put into practical, how, how, how do we put this into, into a practical way? Like how do we do this without turning it into something transactional, right? Because on one end we could say, okay, well we can practice forgiveness, but but if it's forgiveness so that you, you know, I'm gonna forgive you so that you'll actually do some favor for me on, on down the line, right? And it's, it's real easy for anything that we could possibly say, well, well I'm gonna practice it this way to devolve into trans some sort of form of transactional love. So, we don't want it to be. We want it to be a non-transactional kind of love. Mm. So, 
how do we practice non-transactional love when it's completely foreign to, to human to the way we think as humans? Well, I think first and foremost, you have to acknowledge and you have to tell God that I cannot do this without you mm. because you can't. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just give an example. Um, I, without going into many details, back in probably uh, March, April, maybe something like that, I'd felt somebody had just super, had just really done me wrong. Mm-hmm. And there's a good, and I knew that there was a really great chance that there wouldn't be a, like, sit down, like, real discussion, like a make amends kind of thing. Cause, right. Um, this certain situation it was just headed for a trajectory that i just i it was completely out of my hands Mm -hmm. um so but i could feel the bitterness in my heart um start to almost it was almost getting to the point it felt like it was taking me over i think it was adrian rogers it said bitterness is like a is like an acid that ruins its own container Mm -hmm. and i really i'm like i can't handle this bitterness anymore Mm -hmm. and so i started praying for these people and just to you know help my heart and to just and like they're my brothers and sisters in christ so like i don't have an option to be in unity with them mm-hmm. you know that's like it's not optional to love them and so i just pray that you know pray that in this in that situation that they were in that that the lord would use it for their good and yeah. that it would be uh sanctified for them and they would become more like christ because of it and they don't know I prayed that. I'm not necessarily going to tell them I prayed that. Right. <laughs> but um, I think that's an example. And I'm not trying to like flash on like myself around. I'm just saying that's one thing that I have. No, that's from your own perspective. That's a yeah. practical way of yeah, working Yeah, practical out. way I mean, of just like. Yeah, if somebody's done me wrong and I'm bitter about it, how am I going to get over that? Yeah. And if I can't actually sit down with them. So, and I yeah, that, so praying is yeah. one big. Huge and I'm not talking about praying like uh, God strike them dead kind yeah, of yeah, prayer. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, that, like an imprecatory psalm. Like, oh, I hate those who hate you, oh Lord. Right. <laughs> but, but, but just praying for their good. Right. And I promise if you're praying for their good, you will have a change of heart. Right. The Holy Spirit will use that. And yeah. That's a pretty just, good. I, I like that example. Just taking it from experience. So, so what, let's say ye, Jeff. Um, well, then the other, of course, a thing would be a, an act of service or an act of love, which your motivating factor is. I'm just going to show this person I love them, and not really expect anything in return from them. Um, you know, that's that's hard for a lot of Christians to do. It, it is. I mean, look, I mean, just look at the offering plate. So, so, so oftentimes, you know, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this in here, yeah. but I'm actually holding my hooks into it, and you know, what are you doing with my money, yes. right? And, yeah. and so, it's, it's, it's hard for people to let yeah. go of that. And so, to start practicing that, then you just do, do, do small things first, and then eventually, you know, you're just going to get into the. It's just going to be part of your life, mm. you know, where. I mean, there's t- times this happened where I've done things for people. Uh, they may not even know who even did it for them and all that because it was just the right thing to do and I'm, 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 and, and you know you just do it yeah um, so so um, so I think just those acts of acts of kindness act of service that and even if it's someone that did you wrong and they know they did you wrong you know they did you wrong mm-hmm. uh, but you still treat them kind and you still Go out of your way to be nice to them and try to try to make as many as much as you can because that's really we're we're the ones called to do it. Yeah, and it's a command, and they're commanded to do the same thing. But 
I can't, I can't, ha- I can't uh, control their obedience or disobedience. The only person's obedience or disobedience I can control is me. Right. And so I can still, sometimes. I can still sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> so I can still serve them. Uh, you know, even even if I mean, I, and I've been in a position where I've had to do that, where someone just like was mad at me or upset with me, and then two days later I'm in the hospital holding their hand praying for them. Yeah, yeah. You know. And they're still mad at me, but you know I'm still going to be there. Right. And that's that's just what you have to do. I mean, you can't let other people's reactions to you and acceptance or not acceptance of you change what you're supposed to do. Right. And the motivating right. factor, of course, is love. We're just we're just called to love, and it's hard. I mean, it's it's hard to do that sometimes. Yeah. But when you do it, and then you forget about it then you do the right thing. Right. But if you keep it in the back of your mind like, hey, I did this for them and they're treating me like this, well, then you did it for the wrong you reason. The wrong so reasons. you just do it. Yeah. I used to say, as a, from, from, a, from a minister perspective, I used to say, you, you have to love uh, Sister Jane who, who thinks you hung the moon and Brother Joe who complains that you hung it crooked. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> you have to, you got to love them both and you got to be there for both of them. And, and that's that's tough, right? I mean, well, it's tough it, as a, as a pastor. And when you get back to greatest critic, when you get back to what Jeremiah was saying, really, it all really boils down to maturity. And agape love is like, even though you've experienced it one hundred percent in your life because of what Christ did for you, mm-hmm. it's going to take a while for you to be able, in a mature way, to be able to show that and receive that. Yeah, it's part of that process. Yeah. And so when you hear a lot of people in church talk, like I'm not getting fed. Or, you know, I want my name on, on the plaque. Right. Uh, you know, this is I, my, I want that money to go towards this. It's that child. It's, they're, they're acting and talking like children. Mm-hmm. So just it's just a showing their immaturity. Right. So if they're mad at you and upset with you and won't forgive you or hold on to bitterness, you can't, there's nothing you can do about that except for forgive the person and still minister to them. But understand, no, they're, either they're not saved or they're just very immature, right? In their in their, uh, and at the same time, I can be immature as well. Oh yeah, uh, I, I know I can. Yeah. So, Jeremiah, did you have a a, a a thought on on how we live it out practically? No, I mean not practical. I think I think Blake hit it on the head, uh, and and we've we've said it, we've danced around it, but I'm going to say it like this: what we're asking you to do is not natural; it is supernatural. Mm. So like, it won't come naturally. You must rely on the Spirit and must rely on God to to work through work in you and through you to do this. So if you're if you're trying to do this love apart from that relationship or apart from a reliance on Him, it's not going to happen. Yeah. And a funny funny story. Sorry to throw you under the bus, wife, but. Uh, <laughs> Yesterday, someone did something very nice for us, and uh, we were discussing it at, at home. And Kara said something like, uh, "Is that is that weird? What they did? Like, doesn't it feel kind of weird?" And I'm like, "No, that's like love. That's like self-sacrificial love. Mm. And it, it it does in some sense. It feels weird. It's unnatural. It's." They weren't being weird, that, that person who did the nice thing. They weren't being weird. They were just showing love. And so, yeah, I just figured I'd share that. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, okay. Well, we've, we're just, that's perfect because we're right, right at the moment. We need well, to... I do feel like uh, so before, before we close, uh, it would be weird of us not to mention uh, the love chapter. First Corinthians chapter 13. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you quoted it yesterday. Well, the, the gal in the video quoted some of it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and the, most people take that, since you did mention that, this, this would be good thing to say yeah. most people quote that at weddings yeah, yeah. but it's not about no. a husband and wife no. relationship it's about our relationship as a church together yeah. that if i really love it if so if my relationship with jeremiah i can ask you know is jeremiah loving is jeremiah kind is jeremiah patient and i can ask the same thing am i being loving and kind and patient to jeremiah so it's a good checklist to kind of like uh-huh. oh i need to work on my patience because i uh-huh. really didn't show patience. i mean we danced around like if you just go through that list we danced around it and everything we said so if you're like for us the definition of love must come from the scriptures and and if i'm being honest first corinthians 13 is a really great example of that I don't want to read it because it might take a little while, but I do encourage you to read at least the first seven verses of First Corinthians 13 on your own uh, and just meditate on that because it, it will help you kind of understand and see God's perspective on You put love. your name in it. Yeah. Is, yeah. is, is Jeff <laughs> Douglas being kind? Is Jeff Douglas being patient? Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the good, good, good point there, man. I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, the thing that you can add to that, and I was sharing this with... Um, our class yesterday or in our life group is that at the end of that it says that um, you know these three faith hope and love um, really at the end of it all only love is going to remain Um, faith and hope will be erased one day but love will never be erased love will always define us as the people of God and so yeah we need to get it right we need to get the definition right so this has been good it's a really good discussion um, so next uh, weekend is Labor Day weekend. Um, I'm actually going to be preaching a message on some laborers, um, and uh, we'll, we'll, but it's really not about laboring as much as it's about grace. I'll leave it. I'll leave it at that. Um, and then we we will not be recording Monday main point on Monday next mid-week. week. It'll be midweek main point because of the of the holiday weekend. So we promise that soon we'll try to get back to getting these out to you on Mondays as often as we can. All right, that's going to do it for today. Thanks so much for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you on the next one. So long.